Welcome to the Center Memphis Podcast. I'm your host, Brantley Davidson, and I'm joined um, this week by, or maybe I should say I'm joining Howard Graham and Dan Butler this week, so it's good to be back with you all today. This week we're talking about love and forgiveness at work, and before we do that, uh, first let me just give you um, an overview of what the Center Memphis is, and the Center Memphis exists to define reality and offer hope for leaders in Memphis. We meet weekly in group sessions, uh, in person or via Zoom, to talk through leadership topics as well as um, during the week we offer one-on-one individual sessions to discuss your specific issues and or opportunities. Uh, We also release content throughout the week uh, on our website, which you can find at thecentermemphis.org. And then you can also find all that information on various social channels, Instagram, YouTube. Um, So give us a follow on those channels at The Center Memphis. Um, And as a reminder, please make sure at thecentermemphis.org to sign up for our emails uh, and our group sessions. We'd love to have you and see you. All uh, new faces and returning guests are welcome. And then please, if you're listening to this podcast, please subscribe, leave us a review, let us know what we could be doing better to sort of help uh, make the best use of your time. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever it is that you're tuning in from. So this week... Um, As we discussed at the top, uh, we're discussing love and forgiveness at work. And so as we get into this, just to sort of tee it up, um, and when we really get into this and sort of how uh, these words, honestly, they're not really words that I think are commonplace in a work setting. Like when we think about work, we think about, for me, it's analytics and optimization and return on investment or performance. or even leadership, vision, communication. We've talked about conflict. We talked about lots of topics and things like that, right? So really, when we think about love and forgiveness and work, should we really expect people to take that seriously? That's a great question. And well, first of all, welcome back. We are big Thanks. on family leave here at the, at the Center of right. Podcast. And we are really excited, Dan and I especially. Shout out, Lena. What's up? About <laughs> your growing family, Katie, Waverly, Lena, what, all those girls. We need to get them on the podcast. We, this podcast needs to be much more diverse, so we'll, we'll grab them. But we're so <laughs> glad for that and so uh, grateful for you. Glad you're back. And part of that, yeah, because we love you. And because um, these things, yes, love, grace, forgiveness, uh, mercy, these things matter at work. Here's, here's why. The Bible tells us this. Without love, we're nothing. And they talk about sacrifices and worship and prophecy, mysteries. I have all knowledge and, and faith but, and that can move mountains, but don't have love, I'm nothing. If I, possess, if I give all I possess to the poor and give my body to, over to hardships that I may boast, but have not love, I gain nothing. So surely, if we can't do it in our faith lives, we can't do it in our everyday lives, if our work, that means our work is nothing without love. So I, I think um, that's why we think every moment at the center is, we believe every moment is spiritual. We believe our work is a response back to God's, God's love. And therefore, these words like love, forgiveness, grace, thankfulness, gratefulness are some of the best words um, for this. So I'll, I'll give it back to, uh, to you guys, too, like, why do we not? Why do we think the? Why do why do people not think these are okay words at work? Where, where, what's what's the conflict with that? That that's that's the that's the tension of this podcast, and we're going to try to solve it. You know, for for me, when I was I was kind of reading through this a little bit, like 
to me, it's like, does it show weakness or does it cloud your judgment? You know, it's kind of the, um, and then also the other side of it's time is money and things are just moving and, and, you know, slowing down to have those kind of conversations, relationships is like, you know, it's just not top of mind. It's not, it's not your quote unquote purpose. Yeah. And I think some of the things like just first, when you tackle the word love, which we'll get into it here in a little bit second, that, that really does kind of, um, I think graft itself into sort of the people first sort of approach that we talk a lot about on all of our podcasts specifically and throughout the center of Memphis. Right. So like just that topic in and of itself, but then forgiveness to your, like exactly what Dan was saying, there's a vulnerability there. It's a two way street. It, you know, in a perform performance culture at work, it's, it takes one person admitting something was wrong. And then the other person who's, who's maybe responsible, who like, uh, <laughs> needs the one to grant the forgiveness, for instance, has to have a, even a culture in place to allow things like that to happen. And so I, I, that's sort of been my um, curiosity as we work through that together, because as we kind of move into our first point is going to love first. Can you love someone too much at work? I mean, the, you know, the right answer is no. Oh, okay, we're done. <laughs> <laughs> move on. No, uh, I mean, I think... Uh, no, you can't. I mean, that's what we're called to do. I think that that's that's where, to me, I, th- I feel like, and this is just me personally, my personal struggle, because I, I was in operations management for 20 years and then obviously went to own my own business, but it was always afraid of getting over into that friend zone and where you'd, you'd love that person. In my mind, this is how I played it out. I'd, I'd love them too much or care for them too much that then I would not make the right decision for the business. Does, mm. that, does that make yeah. sense? Like, yeah. So that, that's where I was, you know, my struggle of being able to just say an absolute yes, that you, there's no way you can love too much. And really in flourishing, right, that the person, they're not right for the business. Uh, if it's not right that's for right. business, it's probably not right for them. I've, I've, not right. se- I've never seen, I've had, probably had <laughs> in underneath, I've probably had more than 600 employees. And yeah. I, I've never, I don't know of a case where it was good uh, for the person, but not for the business. Now, maybe economically, it was bad for them to lose their job, but not in a flourishing, not in a whole flourishing sense, sense of the word. Now, I'm glad you said that. I feel like I, I learned through wisdom and guidance and mentors that to love them might be to find them something else. Yeah, that's right. That's not a bad thing, right? Yeah, I think I think what you're touching on is just sort of like what, like the definition of love in a sense, and it doesn't have to all just be this sort of it can all be positive, but it doesn't have to lend to this result that I think that we're, we're sort of always thinking of, which is maybe on like an emotional spectrum Mm -hmm. or just sort of some sort of, to your point, even like a relational closeness, you can be close with someone, love them and still loving them can be saying like, this is probably not the right thing for you. So, but if you're coming from a place of love, how do you help one understand that to then get them in the right spot? What's the result? What's the, what, what, what is the result of love in that sense, I guess? And nobody um, flourishes in, in fakeness and in, in, in something that's soft and gooey but didn't, doesn't ha- have any, any teeth. I mean, so, and Jesus uh, would confront and tell truth. Uh, he looked at the rich young ruler. He looked at him and loved him and said, you lack one thing. Mm-hmm. And he told him three things to do, different podcasts. But... That's love to tell him the absolute. He was telling the, the the leaders of the day hard truths. He was telling those who needed things 
um, he was caring for them, but in another case, he was putting them on the road to flourishing. And, you know, I was going to say, I think, and to, to have true love and transparency and vulnerability, like, they, they know your heart. And it, it brings me back to a time at Georgia Pacific where I had to fire one of my best friends that I pulled from another company to follow me. He did something against corporate standards. I had no choice. But so I let him go in love, and we're still really good friends. You know what I mean? Like, he knew my heart. He knew that he had messed up, and we knew we had to part ways you know, in a professional manner and still remain, you know, friends and, and, and work together in other ways. So. He had a roommate and a work coworker that I didn't know. Moved a to the roommate same worker? Together. Roommate, roommate coworker, worker, everything. Worker, worker. And I'd drive by the house on the way to, to go do an appraisal or something, and then uh, he'd be home playing video games. That was a difficult discussion. Uh, but he's flourishing. I, I've heard great things about him lately. He's flourishing now completely. He sold the Xbox. Um, <laughs> it wasn't an Xbox at the time. It. Was We're it an Atari? It. Yeah. I'm not sorry. dating it. Not dating it. Or something. So as, <laughs> it's interesting, Dan, that you mentioned the example of like a close friend because I think one of the things that is that comes up in sort of the love discussion is that is there a difference in being too close, meaning like where there's sort of a, a boundary issue mm-hmm and love and loving someone like what how do you how do you think about that maybe in that specific example or others man i mm, i think i think that you i don't know i mean that's yeah I'm, I'm stumbling a little bit in the sense of like i just always had a boundary for me of like not too much work out or hanging out too much outside of work but loving them within the boundaries of the, the eight to five and helping them flourish in other areas outside of work but just try to keep it you know and I don't know if that's the right answer but that was one that I that I worked on for myself I I think if you test this you couldn't care for them too much Um, there's a difference in caring for them and having hard conversations there's a difference in caring for them and making sure there's a reciprocity of of value uh, that's exchanged that that, that, that's what the 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 organization's about and that'd be true for a nonprofit Side tangent too, but I mean, I've had, well, what's different in a nonprofit than a profit? No, Jesus wants everything to be excellent. Uh, there's no less standard at a church or a nonprofit. There shouldn't be uh, in leadership and 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 people doing different roles. And but so I don't think you can be too close to them or love them too much. You can share or want something from them. Codependency. Mm-hmm. We see this even in families. A codependency. Well, that drives me crazy, but I need this. And so we're just kind of getting along and mad at each other, mm-hmm. uh, but, but, but faking it. I think if you're really close and really uh, care for them, yeah, you might. There'd be things you wouldn't tell them. I'm not going to tell them uh, some of my problems because it's not good for them. I'm going to find somebody else to do that with. You know, so I don't, I don't need them, uh, but, I'm, but I care about them so much in a way that I'm willing um, uh, to sacrifice for them. Yeah, I like that word codependency. Though I think if you start showing favoritism or, or judging, clouding your judgment to where you're allowing them to do something, or they're asking more of you than what they should. Have. You know what I mean? Like that's yeah. when you're starting. That's guilt manipulation, manipulation one way or the other. Right. That's not love. That's, that's right. That's manipulation. So that's right. That's right. And I think the interesting. Come on, I need the ticket. <laughs> I think this will sort <laughs> of right. maybe move to our final question and in, in this point, like in sort of discussing love. But to me, like one of the aspects of love, particularly in work, that's interesting is is just the concept of community. Like a lot of times in a loving scenario at work, 
when you're really developing relationships with people, that becomes a part of your community. Now, interesting, the interesting sort of concept would be sort of where like the type of community that's in and what that starts to look like. And so I'm just curious, even one of the, the sort of frameworks in terms of thinking about work is just the concept of is your work your family or is it your team? And how does like thinking through love and just what that concept is, what, how, how do y'all think about that? And what do you sort of feel like is sort of the right way to approach that with your coworkers? I think, I think a huge difference is then how, how you see family and teams. So the, uh, the, the great, there's uh, a great coach, I think, uh, uh, I just forgot his name, but he would say we are a team. We love each other like crazy. We're a team. And you hear all these teams talking about right now. Sports is a big thing. We love each other. You see that in, from professional to uh, sports. We love each other. So love, good. Uh, family, there's a, there's a bond that's, that is inseparable. It is very often different to say someone grows up out of a family and gets married and, and still is a legacy part of that family. And the difference in uh, – some of the codependency things that would be in a family versus a team and because uh, of the thriving, because you could definitely be better. We could find out in three months, you're better off. You're better off not being on this team uh, because of, of the different makeup or because we the change the purpose of the team. A family doesn't change its purpose. A business can change products and pandemic. They're changing like crazy. And so, and the world is shifting and, and what it costs and what charge I mean, all these dynamics and where people work um, the business needs to be sustainable uh, to continue and to be able to make decisions on that. And so team, yes, love and sacrifice for people above and beyond, even outside of work, if sacrificing above and beyond for them. But to say it's a family uh, might, might put something in that that's not true mm. about what uh, love really is. Yeah, and what's like even possible or successful in that type yeah, of thing. Yeah, I mean, it's like, so you're going to love me no matter what, so I'm not going to come into work for three days and you're still going to love me. Um, right. And so saying it's a team will help better say, well, if you don't come into work for three days, you can't be part of this. That's right. Yeah. yeah. That's good stuff. That's great. All right, so moving into our second point, I'm just curious maybe as we sort of talk about that context and, and, and really that segues really nicely and just like mistakes of individuals or of team leaders is that – in your perspective, like as we're thinking through this, does admit does admitting mistakes and actually apologizing weaken a leader's ability to influence? Absolutely not. I don't think that's. I think that's opposite the case, and that's what goes against mainstream, right? I mean, I think when people see your vulnerability, like for me, it was, hey, I'm gonna be vulnerable with you and show you. When, when if I mess up and ask you to do something that wasn't right or that didn't work out, I need to own that. But on the flip side, they they do as well as well as just, you know, um, being willing to ask, like a lot of the cultures doesn't, doesn't allow for people to open up, and ask questions. Mm. They're afraid to look dumb, yeah. get fired, you know, not get promoted, whatever that looks like. But like just being able to be vulnerable and say, I don't understand. I don't get this. You know, like I'm not on board because I don't understand. I mean, that, that, that should be okay. That's right. And to know that you're working with real people. Right. Now to use the negative example, our politics has gotten to a place where that is, where that is, it can't even be done. Hmm. It's like, no, I haven't, no mistakes, and I can't agree with the other party on anything. Uh, that's ridiculous. Don't vote for people who don't agree with the other party on anything. <laughs> that's my quick. That's the only. That's the only voting advice I have. Either side. <laughs> um, and it's a real. It's a real problem. It means there's no humility there. It means there's no collaboration there. 
Um, it has to be something you'd agree with him. It had to be something. I mean, they got a point there. We got to we got to fix that. Uh, so, but I think in work when you see we just had Russ Vanderseek, um, really, I mean, talk about vulnerability on top of vulnerability uh, of how uh, his struggles personally bled into uh, the business. And then he had to get real with everybody at once. He had to get real with his family. He had to get real with his business. Mm. And you just, we heard the testimony. It was, uh, by the way, his family members came to all these sessions and, uh, and his work, his, his coworkers did. And they said that's, that was a turning point. Mm. That was, we started flourishing as an organization and becoming closer as an organization mm. when the leader did the worst stuff wow. uh, that he wished he didn't do. He certainly doesn't justify, didn't justify, but his vulnerability and his willing to open up uh, made everybody feel part of a team, the opposite mm-hmm. of what you're saying, Dan. Yeah. Like, oh, well, if, 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 if he can you know, through be this honest about through, that, right. maybe I'll ask more about this 401k. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and just, just like on a human perspective, we know that everyone is flawed and make mistakes work of, in and of itself. It just, it, the perfection is not possible. Perfect products don't exist. You know, um, like perfect work product is is an impossible thing to achieve. So even just from a leadership perspective, us knowing that I'm going to make mistakes every, and even just ex- anticipating and expecting the people around you to make mistakes, that then allows A, hey, let's actually then learn from them. I'm, I'm going to forgive you when the mistakes are made. However, like the culture in and of itself says – well, we're just we're we're going to be open to learning from them so that we can get better and improve. And I just personally believe, particularly in my industry from a digital marketing perspective, where you make mistakes. I feel like you make fifty mistakes a day. Digital is just hard. Sometimes you're just kind of frontiering new things and you're figuring stuff out on the fly, and like it's testing and and figuring stuff out. And that's sort of like the fun part of work is being a part of a team where you have a foundation that says we're going to try new things. And if it doesn't work, why didn't it not work? And how do we improve on it moving forward? Try, fail, fail fast and learn from it. It was Google's uh, early, early, uh, you know, kind of mantra. And yeah, if you, if only one was perfect, only one, that's why I love digital marketing so much. You had the facts, you had facts all the time. Right. That definitely didn't work. And so we can definitely do something different. I was going to say, was it Maxwell that wrote fail forward? Failing forward? I can't remember. Not sure. That's a good book. Meaning that every time you fail, you're moving forward. That's right. Yeah. So kind of in the fail fast perspective, the opposite side of that one would say is that, well, if you're willing to just fail fast and fail all the time, then that lowers accountability. So what do you say to those who who would say that love and forgiveness lowers accountability? Howard? I would say that it increases it. You know, just 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 think about it. Um, if I if I go and I apologize, if I've, I've done something wrong to a customer, I've done something wrong to a coworker, and I've done both of those things uh, far too many times. And and but then when I would apologize, how many times can I apologize to that employee for getting angry with what they did, uh, or a teammate, or, a, or or yell at a customer? That that really doesn't work very well many times. But you can apologize. And then it holds you accountable to do it, and it holds them, you know, like I'm, I don't want another apology. I want you not to do that anymore. I've had somebody say that to me. Hmm. Powerful. Raised hmm. accountability. They gave them permission to tell me, quit apologizing, stop doing it. Hmm. Sounds like marriage stuff, which is right. good for marriage too, really good. And, but that's, that's great for work. I, I totally agree. I think it ties into 
admitting wrongs, being okay with that, and then just the personal accountability piece of what are you going to do with that? Mm-hmm. Like, if you learn, if you messed up, learn from or messed up, supposed to have learned from it, but then keep doing that same thing again. That's not. I didn't mean it. That, I didn't mean it. I didn't mean that apology. I didn't learn from it. I didn't yeah. want to grow. I didn't want to change. So that leads into accountability that turns into that tough love, right? So it's really so hard for me. Maybe I need to quit putting myself in that situation. Maybe I'm the wrong leader for that person. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe we got to change the team structure. You know, maybe we got to change something uh, too. If if I, if if that person can't can't exist in that until they until they can. Yeah, and and then one sort of aspect of this too is that that I think y'all are getting to is like, do you have examples of where even like there's there's been a tendency where you've wanted to make the other person pay for it, to pay for the wrong that they did. Mm-hmm. I'm, a, I'm incredibly human. And when I've been wrong, they're like, yeah, it's stinkers. Yeah. You know, um, and that's, and that's, and that's wrong because, and I just, you know, God gives you kids for this reason, my, my, my view, but I you get, I can get mad at them, uh, even madder than that at, at, at coworkers. And they're like, wait a minute, God has never treated me that way. So in, and that's easier to see sometimes there, but it's the same with an employee. And I want the benefit of the doubt. I judge the great line in a, in a movie. I'll, I'll give you the name of it if you text or call me. Uh, they said, you judge that other person by their actions. You judge yourself by your intentions. Intentions, yeah. I've heard that. Whoa. <laughs> I'm late all, all the time, but I hate it when that guy's late. I mean, see, it could go for the trivial, but you, we go to really the serious stuff where he didn't, he didn't take the project seriously. He didn't, um, mm. you know, all, all those things uh, you, could, you could say that about. Yeah. So... Howard, to, to sort of summarize this section, I think you've got some some verses that you want to walk us through just to kind of close this piece up. Yeah, and just how unrighteous each one of us is. And, and that is the mark of a Christian. That's the mark of a Christian uh, business person, a leader, is that they know their unrighteousness. That great uh, parable that Jesus tells in Luke 18, to some who are, to, he told it to people who are confident in their own righteousness. He told it to the religious leaders of the day, but it's true for work. Uh, two men went to the temple to pray, one Pharisee and one a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, thank you, I'm not like those other people. Robbers, evildoers, adulterers, late to meetings, tax uh, unvalue on, on the project, uh, didn't do the timesheet. No, no, it doesn't say that, but it's what it means. Not like that evil tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give a tenth of all I get. I get to work early. Can't you just hear yourself? I get to work early. I was the most valuable. Uh, nobody else works as hard as I do. Uh, and the other, but the other uh, person, the tax collector, stood at a distance and said, he would not even look up to heaven. He beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And here's what Jesus says. I tell you, that man, rather than the other one, went home justified before God. For all who exalt themselves will be humbled, and all who humble themselves will be exalted. And, you know, that's, that's the picture of what we want our uh, heart and mind to be on uh, all day, 24-7, and in uh, all relationships, and certainly at work. Work is built on relationships. Yeah, you certainly, within those relationships, I think that would say that you can't, you can't be too grateful. You can't be too loving. And, and ultimately, that's going back for us because we know like what Jesus has done for us, the forgiveness that he's provided us, that he did for us, and that as we were reminded today at the center is that we are commanded to forgive. It's not even an option. Mm-mm. It's a command. And for, for Christian leaders, to me, 
that I am also more free. I'm now more free to forgive because you're commanded. It's so black and white to me. It's just, it's not even an option. You're as a follower of Christ, you're commanded to do it. So therefore do it. All right. So I'm going to muster it up and I'm going to write it down. I'm going to, I'm going to get right with God and do that forgiveness. And then I still feel like I don't want to forgive him from time to time. Russ Vandersteeg also said that really well. I still might have feelings the other way, but I'm still going to do it. So just sort of as we're kind of moving into closing, Howard, I think as we're getting into just thinking about being like the, the aspect of gratefulness, being too grateful, you've said a couple times today you can't be too grateful. How does that play out at work? I think this. I think I th- let's, let's, let's just challenge both of you guys to think uh, – Think about the person who's most bitter at work. And often they're a high performer. Many people in all of uh, and I all my jobs, you know, I can think of people who are high performers but really believed without them we weren't going to make it. Mm. Um, and, I, you know, uh, well, I was a leader of the organization, I, you know, I didn't think that. And, and there's a great book, by the way, called um, High Five, about that by Ken Blanchard, the author of The One Minute Manager. It's really great about that. But if I think it's all up to me and then all of a sudden I have this burden and then there's no way the rest of the team can be grateful enough for me, even if, if they show it well. Uh, so um, I think if I think those are the most bitter, not the, are the ones who really believe uh, their performance is driving the organization. And I, think, I don't know if you all can – Think through that. And, and in your own times, when you're mad, in your relationships, you think you're carrying an unequal burden of the load. That's right. And, it, and that's, I have to confess that, too. I, I, now, by the way, I've been that person. Yeah. I'm not saying I hadn't. Yeah, the interesting thing about, about that is, like, it just you're it, in those situations where we're just exalting the, the individual, the self. It's the least team-focused approach one can have. And the, the, the first time I actually realized that was I worked – three summers at a camp, um, in college. And, um, each sort of year I felt like I was getting like new responsibilities. And then the fourth year when I wasn't working, I went back just to kind of visit and visit some friends. And I, it was shocking that the camp just continued on without me. It's the same. <laughs> the camp had been there for, you know, 50 plus years. Unbelievable. I thought I was this like super important person as part of the camp leading a section of it. Best ever. That's exactly right. And, you know what? There was a there was a new meat barn coach. There was there was a new head counselor, <laughs> and and it just it was it was surprising and shocking. Yeah. It's a great insight, or um, it's my own insight. So I'm calling it great. Okay, so one final question, maybe before we sort of move into it um, to close, is that can a person be grateful in a difficult in a difficult job where no one else is grateful for them? I mean, I would say yes. I mean, I think you, you know, we're called to, you know, do our best work at all times. So it doesn't matter, you know, like where's the focus? Is it Christ-centered or is it your identity and what your boss thinks, your peers think? So, you know, you know, I love to quote Dabo, but bloom where you're planted, you know, like, you know, or, or in flourish what you're doing, like focus on being the best of what you're mm-hmm. doing, no matter who's above you or beside you or, you know what I mean? Like, and that will you know, that will take care of itself. Yeah, It's hard to see that, but that'll take care of itself. And you might decide that's not where you need to be, and that's okay as well. And it's literally seasonal. 
Right. So now Dabo says that, and all this upside, and he gets more and more famous saying stuff like that. Yeah. And now he's having a hard time. Hard time. Hard, hard, he's having a hard, hard time. Th- so now yeah. he gets to, and people are not grateful. No. They're probably people, I have no idea. I've not listened to any Clemson talk. No, he's getting, yeah, he's but getting. But they're probably getting after him. Give me a break. There's never been a better coach. Uh, <laughs> you know, but yeah, he, but yeah, calling for their heads. And so nobody's grateful, and it and it's can't be easy. Right. Um, so, yes, I think that's a great answer. And then, yeah, what, why are we working? Why are we working? Mm-hmm. It is it, to bring a gift. And, and, and you know, the, the early church had such a good uh, take on this. They said, don't try to change your status. Mm. Don't try to move from one thing to another because God's coming back. Mm. And that, that if we, we really pray literally on earth as it is in heaven, then we're just going to do our best job today in this perspective, in what we've got, and then we'll leave the results to God. And that doesn't mean we don't have free agency and right. we shouldn't change jobs. I'm just saying our mindset ought to be, I'm grateful for this. It's doing these things. Uh, my first job ever, I stayed, stayed only about five months, but I said, I, I, I can't stand this. I mean, outside of work, I'd been an entrepreneur in college. I went up and they, and I just thought everything was wrong with it. Everything, of course, I'm idealistic, idealistic and, and saw that I just wouldn't run anything this way. And I came home and I said to my uh, uh, close friend and mentor, I just said, I'm not think, I don't understand any of this. I'm not, I don't think I learned one thing. He goes, yes, you did. Hmm. You learned you don't want to do that. And, yeah. then, and then sometimes that's enough. I that's tested this long enough to know I don't want to do it. I'm going to be grateful I have a job. I'm learning something. I mean, at the very least, I'm learning this is not what I'm supposed to be doing, but I need to finish testing that too. Yeah, it's good stuff. We are grateful because we serve a king who first loved us and forgave us. So thank you for joining us this week to discuss and listen about love and forgiveness. If you have questions on how to apply this specifically in your workplace, please reach out to us. You can find us on all of the places that we mentioned at the top. And next week at the center, we'll be diving deeper into grateful gratefulness on the topic of Thanksgiving, sort of learning, discussing that together in depth. So we'd love to see you. Please come join us until next time.